0: Welcome to Fly on the Wall. We are Tracy Gillette and Heather Maddox, and we met on Instagram. We both run successful real estate businesses in different markets in Washington State. Our mission is to bring real
1: estate brokers together and have created a community called Collaboration Over Competition. Every other month, we host a traveling supper club where 10 brokers plus one lucky lender come together in conversation to level up our businesses and our industry over a fantastic meal. Supper Club is only three hours long, and the conversation is always cut short. This podcast is an opportunity for us to dive deeper with one of our dinner guests and for the rest of you to be a fly on the wall into the conversation.
0: Hey, Heather. Hey, Tracy. How are you? I'm fantastic. The
1: sun is shining. Our
0: pool was just filled.
1: Can't complain. Did you have a good week? We had supper club on Thursday night. So I am still kind of on the high from that, but did you have a good weekend since I saw you?
0: You know, it was a tough weekend with the realtor life juggling act for me.
1: Saturday was really hard, but Sunday was better. So, um, and just, just juggling, like making space for everybody who needs you at the same time. Yep. And, um, I
0: find myself getting kind of caught in when, especially for the weekend, if I expect one thing and then Mm -hmm. like I've planned my day, my kids know what's happening and then something changes, that is harder for me to pivot on the weekends. So that was, that was hard for sure. And most of it was actually me not holding strong enough boundaries.
1: Mm -hmm. It's really hard we're going to do yes, a whole yes. po- podcast about it. <laughs> yes, we are. So yes.
0: And I heard you pended three properties this weekend.
1: I had it. And, and not, not that I even expected to, it was like the most random weekend of people calling me and being like, Hey, I need help. Can you help me fast? And so I did not do a good job of juggling. Mm-hmm. I did a good job of saying family I'll be back. But, um, I haven't had a weekend like that in a long time and it felt like it actually, I was thriving with the busy business part of it. So I felt good, Good. but I understand both sides of it. I totally get Uh, it. Well, who is our guest this week? I am so excited because our guest this week is Tessa Jarvis with Remax Whatcom and Tessa is, so we met Tessa maybe. A little over a year ago, we um, we knew her from um, Instagram before that. But since then, she's come to Supper Club twice. She had we went to Genuine Hustle with her. She's come to some of our classes. We've just gotten to know her better, and um, she has been such a fun addition to the Supper Club community. And she also is a landlord. She's a flipper. She's like an overall investor. And she was chatting about it at supper club. And I was intrigued.
0: Me too. Yeah. You and I both have investment properties. So this is like speaking our language, but Mm -hmm. with Tessa talks, it's like a whole nother level. So Mm -hmm. let's get into that Tessa. Welcome.
2: Hey, hey, thank you so much for having me. What a joy to be here. Um, I feel like Heather just showed what a big fangirl I am just following you guys around, um, learning everything that I can, uh, but excited to be here.
1: Yeah. awesome. Well, we're, we're fangirling right back. So it's just
0: <laughs> good. First off, why don't you tell us who you are? Tell us about um, whatever about your life you'd love to share.
2: Yeah, my name is Tessa Jarvis. I'm a broker at Remax Whatcom. I work both Skagit and Whatcom County. Um, My husband is a general contractor, and so he is the other partner in our sort of investment property endeavors. We currently uh, live in our beach house that we are still renovating, Um, and I've got a little dog, Tito. He's a little Cordy mix uh, that you will see often on Instagram if you follow me there, so...
0: He's so sweet. I loved that you brought him to the hotel for supper club last week. He was, I
2: know that was so fun Kinsey's actually out of town. So, uh, Tito got to just tag along and come with
1: so fun. (laughs) I'm sure we'll get into this, but I'm curious if you're remodeling your beach house to live there for a while or what's happening with that. So we can get into that later, but yes.
2: Yeah.
1: You (laughs) could start there if you want.
2: I can't. Yeah. So we, um, that's actually our primary residence where we're currently living. Uh, and I, let's see, it probably will not be our forever home, just knowing who we are. Uh, and our main area that we live is mostly finished. Um, it does have a full basement uh, that we plan to finish out and we'll use as a guest apartment. The original idea when we purchased this was that it could be an Airbnb that would help offset the mortgage, right? Always looking for ways to bring in additional income, um, an Airbnb, or just to put a term tenant in there. But I've come to realize I really like my own space uh, mm-hmm. and don't really want someone else. I mean, they would be very much in our house, right? It's a, it's mm-hmm. the basement. We would see them come and go. We would have to be mindful of how loud we were being. And so um, just planning to convert that into a full guest apartment that we can utilize for friends and family, but that would also add value to our house if and when we ever sell it, to have that second unit in there.
0: Smart. Got it. So how? what number house was this one for you when you bought it? How many houses was it? Good question. I always have to count. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Well, it's guess. Hard keep. Like,
2: was it number so, two or number eight? This would have been number like seven for us.
0: Oh. Six or seven. And have you bought since then as well?
2: We have purchased two uh, properties since then for a total of five doors. So one duplex and then one three-unit property since we've been here. Wow. Wow.
1: And so you have 10 doors at this point.
2: We have 10 doors, not counting our primary residence and then the basement. So if you counted those two, then it would be 12 doors.
1: Okay. Which is awesome. So- Let's, let's go, let's rewind to the beginning Yeah, when you bought your first property. Um, and if your first property that you bought was a primary that you turned into a rental, let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start there. Okay. So it wasn't our
2: first, the first property we ever bought was our primary residence. Um, we did buy it with the intention that it would be a rental. So it was 2000, 13 and we were living in a little cabin on Kinsey's parents' property. And we had just always, the goal was 10 doors by the time Kinsey was 40. Um, Everyone we had always talked to said, invest in real estate, invest in real estate. That is the like single best use of your time and money, invest in real estate. So we found a really good property in Cedar Woolley and we purchased it with the plan that we would turn into a rental. Started renovating it and then started thinking, wait a minute why are we going to keep living in this little cabin on our in-laws property when we could have our own house um and so we actually ended up moving into that so that was our primary and then our first investment property came 3 years later and it was a duplex in
1: Cedar Woolly okay so you bought your first investment property in 2016 yes which is only 7 years ago and now you have 10 doors that is awesome yeah we've been working really hard (laughs) I feel inspired Um, when
0: you bought that first property even though you thought it was going to be an investment property did you use a primary residence loan
2: so that's a great question we did not Mm -hmm. and I don't there isn't a lot that I remember about that whole process um it feels like we showed up with a check and they gave us the house there Mm -hmm. wasn't I mean there wasn't an inspection there wasn't I don't remember putting together an offer. I don't remember signing anything, which is very possible that I didn't. Um, It was a foreclosure or a bank owned property. And so we actually borrowed money from my husband's parents. They had Mm -hmm. a line of credit on their primary residence. And so we borrowed the money from them to purchase that property and then just made payments every month to them.
0: Got it. That line of credit. Mm -hmm. Okay. And why did you wait? three years to get another property. Why, why did it take that long? Or I was it I not your we intention? We
2: didn't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we had no money. Um, I mean, I would have been, I was either waiting tables or at Starbucks or a combination of both. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, I think it was just everything that we had to get into that first place. And yeah. so the timing wasn't right until um, the next one came along and it was, someone actually sent it to us as a joke. My mom sent us the property and was like, Hey, maybe I should buy this place. She was looking to move to see to be closer to us. And it was, it was a wreck. It was a total dump. And we looked at it and we were like, wait a minute, that price isn't bad. There's people that live there and they pay the rent. Like if they, that would cover the mortgage. And mm-hmm. so I reached out to a broker, um, I guess. So I wasn't waiting tables. I was doing property management for Windermere then. And I said, Hey, can you, can you show us this house? Like, and what does that look like if we wanted to go take a look at it? And so we went and looked at the duplex.
1: And so how did you, had you saved up some money to buy a, a rent, a, you know, an investment property, or did you borrow against your equity? Or like, how did you, because for those who are listening and don't know to buy an investment property, you, you, you have to put a a chunk down. You have to put 20 to 25% down depending on what it is. And so it's not something where you can put 3% or 5%.
2: Yeah, good question, Heather. We borrowed equity out of our primary residence that we were living in. So if I remember correctly, that house probably wasn't financeable when, and it had been on the market for a while. And that's probably part of the reason. And so we did a cash out refi on our primary residence and used those proceeds to purchase the new investment property
1: in cash, in cash. Nice. That's amazing. Yes.
0: Yes. And at that time, had you already financed it away from your in-laws? Like you already had a loan on it or no? Okay. So had you paid them off? No. So now
2: we owed both his, our in-laws, and we had the mortgage on
1: the duplex well, on our property mm-hmm. that was for the duplex. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Okay. And so then what happened? So then you had to renovate.
2: So the goal was not to renovate. There were tenants in both units and we thought, okay, we can totally make this work. They're paying rent that will cover the mortgage. So basically we would only be responsible for our payment to the line of credit we had used mm-hmm. for our first property, right? And I want to say four weeks into owning it, we got a call. Hey, Tessa, this is so-and-so from Skagit County Jail. Will you accept a collect call no. from blah, 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 your tenant? Sure. <laughs> so our tenant uh, had actually violated his house arrest and was arrested. And he was like, hey, I thought I had enough money to keep paying rent and to save my spot at the house, but I wanted to let you know that I don't. And oh so my I, need, I need to move out because I can't pay rent anymore. So then we had to go in and renovate after our tenant uh, vacated his tenancy, which was a really quick uh, lesson in being a landlord. Hey, that was really nice that he called. (laughs) It was so nice that he called. It was so nice. Um, Yeah, so then we had to go in and renovate the one side. And so uh, probably spent every last penny that we had getting that place ready to go because it was in really, really rough shape when we took over. Uh, We actually still have the tenant on the other side, that unit has never been turned. Wow. Which he was there 10 years prior to us taking ownership wow. and has been there the entire time that we've owned it. So that will be a big undertaking if he ever yeah. vacates. But for now, we're happy to just have him stay yeah. there and pay rent.
1: So now you've depleted your um, savings to renovate. You are maxed out on your equity of your first place. You have a loan with your in-laws. So when do you get your next property? Good question. Uh, The next property came,
2: oh, I want to say two years later, um, probably in 2017 or 2018, one or two years later. Okay, Uh, And so we did the same thing. So again, we didn't have any extra money, but we owned the duplex outright. So we're always... One trailing, our mortgages are always trailing a property. Right. And so we own the duplex outright because the mortgage to purchase that was on our primary residence. Mm
1: -hmm. So now
2: we have the duplex that we own that we now have some equity because it's appreciated in the past two years. So we again, do a cash out refinance on the duplex, which gives us a pot of money to purchase our next property and the funds to invest and renovate that one.
1: Mm hmm Wow. And is that what you've just kept doing? Just essentially rolling that forward, forward, forward. Yep. And yes. do One, you, yeah, do, yeah. um, so yeah. Um, and so you had mentioned when we were, um, when we were at dinner that you have burr properties, which, uh, I I'll let you kind of tell, explain that, but it's basically, you know, where you buy properties to hold, Um, and I was asking you, or, you know, I'm kind of curious, was that by design or was it like, Oh, I'm, I'm learning about this and this is what we do. Yeah, that's a really good question.
2: Uh, we had no idea what we were doing when we got started. I mean, like no idea whatsoever. We just, we have learned so many lessons the hard way because we just kind of keep going and, Go basically until we bump into a wall and try to find another way. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess if you don't know what the Burr method is, it's buy, renovate, refinance, rent, repeat. Uh, and we didn't know what that was when we first started doing it. It we listened to Bigger Pockets podcast. Um, so if anyone is looking to find good investment nuggets, that's a great resource. And we heard about the Burr method, and we're like, wait a minute, that's what we're doing. Mm.
0: That makes sense. Um, what at what point did you get into real estate and was that inspired by the -hmm. investing that you were doing? Good question.
2: Really good question, Tracy. I got into real estate in 2015 or 2016. And I started out as a property manager. Mm -hmm. So that was a really great background for investing to just learn. Tenants and owners and processes. And what was the second part of the question?
0: (laughs) Uh, Did your investing that you had been doing, did it inspire you to get into sales? Is that why you're a realtor? Because you had started investing or not why?
2: Um, Yes and no. I mean, maybe not directly. Uh, I think the reason that I got into real estate is that I've seen what a difference it's made in my life. And that's, and I want to help other people do the same thing
1: um, yeah.
2: because it's, I mean, I, I've i just, and the first couple of transactions and no hard feelings to any of those brokers. I don't remember anything about like just being totally clueless throughout the process mm-hmm. and feeling like guidance would be helpful. Um, yeah.
1: Well, and I know that for myself, there's been several, you know, different investments that we've made that kind of like, kind of came down to our last dollar and felt scary and felt like, oh my God, what are we doing? Like this better work out the way that we hope it will. And it has, thank goodness, knock on wood. Um, but, you know, take, I think investments take a leap of faith. In, in, in a lot of regards. And I just wonder if you felt that way or you felt like, no, we're super calculated and we've, we've never felt strapped or like down to the wire. Oh, every single time. <laughs> I mean, it feels it,
2: every, every single time that's every single one. It feels like it's going to take every last penny and it's probably more money than we quote, quote should be spending. Right. And is this really the best idea? I mean, it feels like it always feels like it's a little bit out of our reach. Um, The first property, we actually bought a duplex that we closed on in the beginning of 2022. And that was the first property we had purchased where we actually had the funds for a down payment. So we just bought it like a regular investment property. And there were multiple times where I was ready to walk away from the earnest money. I was just, I thought, no way, this is way too... At the time, it was the most expensive property we had purchased mm-hmm. or we were going to purchase. And I was like, you know what? I'm willing to just walk away from the earnest money. They can keep it because that feels so much safer than going forward with this purchase.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And luckily, my husband was like, no, we're going to buy the, right? We run the numbers. It works. We're going to buy the property. And we closed on it. Um, and now my strategy is that I, I use... <laughs> much higher earnest money amount so that I'm, so that I won't You're be willing. Yeah. So that I'm committed so that I'm not willing to walk away because that yeah. was a $10,000 earnest money. And I was ready to give that up because oh. it was, it's so scary. Uh, yeah. And it felt, it felt like a really big jump. Mm-hmm. So now I have to hold my feet to the fire uh, and I write
0: bigger earnest money checks to make sure that I <laughs> that's funny the purchase. A little self-insurance. Um, yeah. Are you, and Kinsey, are you equal risk takers like oh good question like is one of you more risk adverse than the other just personality wise he might be a little bit
2: bigger of a risk taker but not by much it's pretty like it would be 45 55 I mean it's pretty close to 50 50
0: and would you say that you are you are a risk-taking personality oh yeah yeah yeah. My so husband much. and I are complete opposites and we we have investments as well, but um, definitely not as many as you. And it has been like, it's been hard to get him comfortable with having the risk because, uh, you know, owning multiple properties is a risk. Buying and selling real estate is a risk no matter which way you, which way you look at it. So, um, you know, creating that structure where you feel like you have enough of a nest egg and, you know, cushion and like that is different for every single person. So he takes more
1: work. Sean and I always joke that we can talk each other into doing anything. Uh, we are definitely more in the camp of like, there's, I mean, even in the last year, there's probably been five different properties where we were like, let's, let's, let's write an offer. Let's do it like, and and so close. And one of us has a pause and that pause is enough for us to be like, okay, yeah, you're right. And then maybe a week later, we're like, man, I'm glad we didn't buy that. But we, we walk ourselves down the path too often.
0: Funny.
2: (laughs) See, we, and we even go so far. I mean, we write offers. We write a lot of offers. Mm-hmm. and it it's really helpful to put myself in those buyer shoes when we write those and I do truly believe that you only end up with the property that you're meant to have yeah because I know that we have missed out on so many properties and there are ones that we've been fully committed we've written the offer I mean it's a little dangerous like it's yeah <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have a license you know because I have <laughs> such easy access to writing offers mm-hmm. uh but We've missed out on ones and thought, man, that really should have been the one that was, we wanted that, right? The numbers worked, the condition was right, whatever all of the factors were that made us put pen to paper. Mm -hmm. But then something better always comes up down the road. And we're like, oh, we're so glad we didn't get that. But at the time, right, you're thinking,
1: yeah, totally.
2: Man, I wish I would have got that one, but it has always worked out for the best.
1: Uh, How many come along? How many property, how many of your doors right now are in the green each month? If any, if any, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. You know, no, no, no. I
2: mean, uh, with the exception of the vacancies, we're all in the green.
1: That's amazing.
2: So we why have do you have
0: vacancies, vacancies th- right now?
2: Yeah. Great question, Tracy. Why do I have vacancies right now? <laughs> we, so the duplex, we closed on at the end of 2020, sorry, 2022 was fully occupied. At the end of last year, our tenants stopped paying rent. We also, at that time, purchased a new property. And so this was the last one that we purchased. It has three units on it. There's a shop, a house, and an ADU. And the big bonus on that one is that it is like three minutes down the road from our house. And Kinsey has always wanted a shop and we've never been able to get one. And so this was an opportunity for us to secure a shop. Mm -hmm. So the plan was that we would purchase the one on Island, renovate those units and get them rented out. But we ended up vacating the duplex because nobody was paying rent. And so we ended up with five, we're down to four vacancies now. So sorry, three. (laughs) <laughs> can't keep track so the duplex, five, four, three five four three they're just rolling in the duplex we are currently renovating one side just got rented and hmm. then Kinsey's working on finishing the renovation for the second side so got that it. will get rented and then he'll move over to
0: the island property so the short answer is they're they're vacant because you've prioritized renovations when you had a turn absolutely got it yeah okay yeah. perfect and um at I know that you have at least one Airbnb. Why do you have that? When did you convert it or did you buy it to be an Airbnb? Tell us about that.
2: Yes, Tracy. Great question. So our Airbnb is in an apartment above our garage and it has always been an Airbnb. We, whenever we're looking to buy properties, we're always looking for something that's going to provide additional living space. So whether that's a house with a full basement, whether there's a garage that we could add to the top, um, if there's two units on the property. So this was our first house that we bought. There's a garage and we built out the apartment above. We put the Airbnb into service in the beginning or the end of 2019 and then COVID hit. Uh, Mm. so that was, we pivoted a little bit there, uh, but it, with the exception of a short time during 2020, it's always been a short-term rental.
0: Got it. Got it. Do you, what do you plan on having more short-term rentals? Have you considered converting any of your long-terms to short-term? What do, you, what do you like? What do you don't like?
2: So I look at short-term rentals more as a job versus long-term rentals or passive income. Mm-hmm. And so the short-term rental feels really labor-intensive.
0: -hmm. And
2: one of them is quite plenty for my plate. Um, It's not quite passive enough income for me, just with renovations going on, running a real estate business, having an Airbnb to manage. Uh, I like the one because that's kind of our slush fund. That's our worst case scenario. If a tenant doesn't pay rent, if we have vacancies, we always have the Airbnb bringing in extra income because mm-hmm. there are two units on that property. So the term tenants that pay the mortgage and then everything from the Airbnb is extra. And so that makes it really comfortable to take some risks because we know that opportunity is there. We also run the numbers if we were to convert it to a long-term rental, right? Let's say Airbnb crashes, what would we make if we just put a term tenant in there? Uh, and so the one is just, Plenty. I don't want any more short-term rentals.
1: <laughs> and if you were to kind of like start all this all over again, is there something you wish you would have known from the beginning or that you would have kind of done differently to make it easier on yourself? Or do you like kind of the way it all unfolded?
2: I don't think it could have happened any other way. Uh, I think that it happened exactly how it could have. Mm -hmm. Um, I was thinking, you know, I thought, I wonder if they're going to ask me, you know, what would I do differently? And Mm -hmm. I would have loved to say that I would have moved every two years and just bought a new primary Mm -hmm. residence because then we could only put a small amount down. We wouldn't need to come up with a 20%. But I was thinking back and we didn't even have the three or the 5% to put down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. We had no money. Any extra money that we had always went back into the rentals. We were always renovating or fixing something that came up. And that wouldn't have been a realistic option for us.
1: Mm-hmm. That, that makes we, sense. But you I mean, did have money to pay the new mortgage that you're taking on. But I guess it was offset by the income, the rent. Yeah. Rent. It was always yeah.
2: offset by the rent.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so having the duplex be our first one was really helpful because there were two rents coming in. That was, mm-hmm. I think something that really helped set us up for success. And it was always, you know, we were one behind and we didn't pay off our loan to Kinsey's parents until I want to say like two years ago.
1: Hmm. So do, do you which is still really fast? Yeah. It was, that's a, still it was
2: a small fast. loan. We, I mean, our like prices were much different. Uh,
1: Yeah. Of course. Do, so now, you know, it, when you're looking for investments, at least in King County, where where I'm often looking for investments, it's really hard to pencil. Um, and so we often buy properties that don't pencil, with the um, long with the long game in mind that rents will increase and equity is really what we're after. Um, and so I'm just wondering you know when you're buying something and evaluating what you're going to purchase is is the calculations have to be really tight or are you kind of like this is a good one i see the long game and so it might not pencil for you
2: we've definitely bought ones that don't pencil right off the bat with that same goal in mind that we're playing the equity game this is our retirement plan and so even if we don't make any money right now the goal is that this is this will provide us income when we decide we don't want to work anymore, mm-hmm. and so we definitely have our margins where we feel comfortable, right? Of us supplementing the rent every month, it can't be too much in the red. But we've definitely, you know, if we see the value there, then we'll we'll make a move on it, uh, mm-hmm. knowing that there's opportunity to increase.
0: Rents. Yeah, that makes sense. So, are you done? <laughs> <laughs> really
2: good question. I don't know. Uh, I doubt it.
0: You Um, have the 10 doors and you met your goal initially, right?
2: Yeah. We met the initial goal. We wrote on a fourplex uh, probably about a year ago that we missed out on that I was really disappointed over. And had we gotten that fourplex, we would not have been in the position to purchase the on-island property where Kinsey got his shop. right? And so it was meant to be, and it's all very great. But I kind of have my heart set on a fourplex. So I'm looking out for those. The numbers were really great on that one. And it was it was in good condition and the price is right. So we probably are not done. I would imagine there will be more investments. More to come. Yeah. We have a lot on our plate that we need to finish first, but I bet there will be more to come for sure. I mean, yeah. we're always, always shopping, right? Always looking.
1: Totally. And I, I'm um you know, a lot of people kind of wonder how to get just that first ball rolling. Mm-hmm. And I think that you laid it out pretty well, that it's like, get into something. That first house is just your stepping stone to the rest.
0: Mm-hmm. People
1: um, often kind of over overlook that first house in the sense of it's not the forever house. It's not the dream house. It's literally the stepping stone to everything else. And so Um, anyway, I just think it's cool the way you guys, like you said, you're always one dragging a mortgage behind basically.
2: Yeah, we are. And I think, I mean, both our primary house, the first house that we bought and then the first duplex, we've pulled money out of those multiple times. And as Mm -hmm. you said, it's only since 2016, but we, paid off the duplex. We put a line of credit on that and we were able to fund another project. We paid that off again. We refinanced again. And so we're able to self-fund and just, I mean, like you said, keep that ball rolling. Once you get it rolling, it's there. And it's just the rinse and repeat of borrowing mm-hmm. the money, paying it back, borrowing it, paying it back. And that that little duplex, that first one has been such a gift. Yeah, yeah. It's really allowed us to do a lot.
0: Is there... Once you started using traditional financing, is there a, a particular lender that has been incredibly resourceful and helpful for you? Or have you just kind of sourced things as, have so you had an
2: ally? We've always done traditional lending because we're doing a refinance on the trailing property. Mm-hmm. So we've always, it's all conventional mortgages. Oh, yeah. Um, so we've always worked with just your regular, normal mm-hmm. lenders. Um we worked with People's Bank a lot. They were a great resource for us. Oh. Uh so I know that you guys had Yeah, we had Whitney Choker on her. Our- That's yeah. right. So she would be an excellent resource. Uh our lender has actually from People's has actually retired, so he's no longer in the business, but he mm-hmm. was very helpful. You'll love Whitney.
1: Yeah, and yeah. Whitney was on our podcast talking about how she does difficult loans. So, you know, yes. that's right in line with, uh, what we talked about. Yep. People's is great. They're a local bank. They have lots
2: of options. Uh, yeah, we've worked with them. We've worked with Umqua. We've worked with Michael Dormer at Halcyon Home Loans. Uh, I think those are the
1: three. That's awesome. That's so exciting. I mean, I love hearing how quickly you were able to build such a big portfolio and, um, Amazing. and, and that you were able to do it without some big influx of money or some, you know, crazy incomes. And you're, you're very, you started out, uh, like very regular people. I guess I would say that anyone can do this. You just have to kind of get creative and be forward thinking. Yeah, totally. It And it willing definitely... to get a little
2: out of your comfort zone. Uh, because mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of that. I mean, the first, when we purchased the first duplex, it was, we almost didn't qualify for the loan, right? It was down to the penny. And I remember going back and saying, going back to the bank and saying, we need more money. They won't, they won't let us buy the house unless you give us more money. Yeah. Uh, So it was, I mean, it was always really, really tight. It still feels really, really tight.
0: Yeah. Kyle told me that we're not allowed to buy a house this year. And so I just have had to like, not look. Because it's hard, it's hard for That's me. Hard. Like I don't, I just don't ever explore something if I don't have a client interested. Because it's right, it's a dangerous spot to be for sure. Can I oh ask why
2: Kyle doesn't want to buy any houses this <clears throat>
0: year? Uh, because he's like, um, he's feeling tapped with the maintenance that he has to do on the properties that we own, and we're still in a major renovation on the island cabin, so he wants to finish that and then we can maybe talk about it again he says but for now it's it's a no I have <laughs> sounds um, like I
2: have an ally in Kyle because I'm like we are not buying any houses this year we have to finish what we yeah. have And Kinsey's like have you seen anything lately and I'm I like, just can't no, look looking. <laughs> I know
0: yeah um I this did not happen when he when we were in agreement that we wouldn't buy anything this year but I have written an offer without even what before. <laughs> no <laughs> he's too risk adverse I knew I could talk him into it after yeah but um but the offer was not I expected. told him later we didn't get it yeah someone else got it we weren't very far off but yeah it's funny everything I, really does happen for a reason because that totally was before does. we bought our Airbnb and we wouldn't have been able to do that right. and, you know right. I love that so
1: yeah <laughs> when he found out about it what did he say
0: he was just like, of course you did. <laughs> he kind of expects it. So that's just how we roll. When, when guess- you're with someone who's like completely risk adverse, you have to like, you have to like accept their risk too. <laughs> right.
2: I think I probably tell Kinsey no more often than he tells me. No. I mean, he would be buying left and right. And I think for us, the biggest thing that we think about is like worst case scenario, the bank takes back the house.
0: Yeah. Um, well, or yeah, yeah. you sell it.
2: Or we sell yeah. it, right? Yeah, you, you you know a realtor. I do. I know. I think I know a couple. <laughs> it's like worst case scenario. We unload so it uh, or we move into the rental and we sell, right? It just feels like we always have, there are always options. And yep, sometimes yep. you have to get a little creative, but. Totally. You know, I mean, we're all like, we're throwing in offers and going, well, what's the worst that can happen? Yep. And sometimes it's like, well, they could say yes. I feel like that would be the worst. That would yeah, yeah. be the <laughs> like worst thing. Our
0: offer. Yes. That's, that's so go. true. Well, Tessa, I I know that uh, you have a heart to give and um, are more than happy to chat with other people. If if there's someone listening that's like, gosh, I just need to get started or we have one, but I'm feeling hesitant about two, how can they reach out and start a conversation with you?
2: Fantastic question, Tracy. Uh, They can text me. Or give me a call, uh, whatever is, you know, whatever's comfortable. They can email me. They can find me on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? Uh, Tessa is going to be the best place
1: to find me. Perfect. Awesome. So interesting. It makes me want to go search the MLS right now and <laughs> find a property.
2: Well, and just, you know, ways that we've found success. We look for things that have been on the market for a long time. Things that don't look very pretty. Things that are dirty right? Where we can go in and instantly clean it up, even if it's, uh, you know, the running joke is carpet and paint, right? We're always like, oh, all it needs is carpet and paint. And then 12 weeks later into a reno, we're like, what were we thinking carpet? 12 weeks
0: and (laughs) $40,000. Yeah, (laughs) exactly.
2: Um, But stuff that's been on the market for a while that people are overlooking, things that um, where there's easy ways to add value. I feel, I think I said this before, but I feel like we've learned everything really the hard way. And so even if I can save someone, you know, just an ounce of heartache over, you know, any mm-hmm. insights I can provide, I'm happy to share those because yeah.
0: Thank I'd yeah, so love for to that.
2: help people get through it a little bit easier than we did. Learn from our lessons.
0: So good. Sure, from
2: our mistakes. Thank awesome. you for
0: taking the time to chat with us. I'm inspired and learned a lot and yes. can't wait to see how many more doors you get. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Thank you for having me. It was it was fun to be here. Awesome. Okay. We'll talk soon. Bye.
0: Thanks again for joining us, Tessa. I'm pretty sure I've already seen you scoping out some new doors on Instagram. Our next episode, Heather and I will welcome... Liz Anderson from Mosaic Real Estate, where she will share her modern take on door knocking.